Welcome to another edition of our podcast series, MIM Cuts to the Chase. I'm your host, Guy Hazelman. For our topic today, we will discuss considerations for emerging market debt given the current macro inflationary environment. Our goal is to get a better understanding of how inflation is impacting emerging market debt dynamics, as well as what it could mean for the outlook and the potential opportunities being created. Our guest today is Todd Howard, an Emerging Market Portfolio Manager at MetLife Investment Management, or MIM for short. MIM manages a total of $664 billion with $377 billion in public fixed income, which includes just shy of $17 billion in emerging market debt. Welcome, Todd. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, Todd, before we cut to the chase on potential opportunities, I always like to begin with the basics. So in this regard, could you set the stage a bit by giving us a general overview of the asset class? Sure, Guy. Um, Emerging market debt consists of three differentiating investment opportunities, hard currency sovereign and corporate debt, as well as locally issued government debt. Each of these sectors has different risk characteristics, and as such, they have different return potentials, depending upon the macro environment. Hard currency sovereign debt is frequently borrowed in dollars and sometimes euros. Uh, We have a team of analysts that follow these countries to help make sure they can afford to pay us back. Uh, The risk to paying us back goes up. We assign a higher risk premium and obviously expect higher and higher yields. Emerging market corporate debt that we invest in is also usually dollar-denominated, And we have a separate global team of credit analysts to monitor the credit worthiness of a large variety of issuers across numerous sectors. And last, you know, we have countries that also borrow in their local currency to tap into local government, insurance, pension, and other local savings. Uh, Our sovereign team considers local in their analysis with variables such as real yields and currency valuations playing a large role in our decision-making criteria. That was really good. I like how you simplified the various uh, different components there. Could you tell me now how emerging market countries have generally responded to the economic impacts of the pandemic? Well, across the developed world, we've witnessed unprecedented fiscal and monetary stimulus to offset the health and economic impacts from the pandemic. However, emerging economies have had to respond in a more constrained way. They are limited because their funding sources are more credit constrained than the developed world and their ability to conduct unconventional monetary policies, such as quantitative easing, is much more limited. In our view, EM will take longer to recover to pre-COVID GDP levels and the sovereign debt metrics are looking relatively worse, which explains or partly explains why EM looks much more attractive when comparing like assets to the developed world. I can see how policymakers of emerging market economies are having a much more difficult time trying to manage the challenges. But can we specifically talk about the inflation challenges they face? Inflation headlines certainly are dominating the news in the U.S., and I'm, I'm curious how this story is unfolding in EM economies. That's a great question and a great topic. The inflation discussion, the policymakers' response, and commodity price movements impact all three of the assets we consider owning in our emerging market bond portfolios. 
But for today, I'll focus more on the local currency asset discussion and leave other discussions for a later day. The bottom line is that inflation is a broad sweeping problem with the exception of Asia right now. Eastern Europe and Latin America are suffering the worst of it relative to where they were pre-pandemic. However, their central bank's policy responses are very different than what we are seeing from the Fed. For example, Brazil is likely going to raise rates by 8 to 9% in a six-month period of time. Colombia, Chile, and Peru are following suit in smaller size. Russia has been raising rates in clips of 100 basis points. And countries in CEE, who have been very dovish for years, are moving in a much more aggressive way, shifting rates from near zero to 3 or 4% in a very short amount of time. In general, the policy credibility is there, but inflation expectations are less anchored than what we are used to in the U.S., and therefore they cannot afford to not be proactive. So it seems to me that emerging market central bankers are trying to do the right thing to combat inflation by tightening monetary policy. So why are emerging market currencies continuing to weaken? My understanding is, and you know, my feeling is that higher rates attract foreign capital, as well as local investor money that's seeking higher incomes. So I thought that combination would typically push a currency higher. That's the million-dollar question. I mean, what we have now is a market that's fairly comfortable with a stronger dollar. In the anticipated Fed tightening, I'd say favors this view. However, a couple of things are happening that we see as potentially very supportive of local rates in some emerging market currencies going forward. First of all, currency valuations are becoming cheaper and more undervalued when measured in a variety of ways, such as trade-weighted or purchasing power parity. And we look at ex-ante bond returns, assuming inflation moderates next year, rates suddenly look extremely or very compelling to us. I think the challenge is transitioning from this current risk challenge, strong dollar environment to a new paradigm where investors seek the future return that is accumulating in these markets where policymakers have reacted aggressively to current inflation dynamics. In other words, assume a world where inflation moderates and becomes somewhat transitory, albeit less than we originally thought. If this were to happen, the markets would likely moderate the Fed's tightening path and many emerging economies would likely go from tightening to easing or at a minimum halting their tightening cycle. In this environment, I would expect a reversal of some of the dollar strength and some very large interest rate moves in markets like Russia, Brazil, Chile, and Hungary, to name a few of our favorite ways to ultimately express this view. I see. That makes sense to me. When do you think this will happen? I realize you don't have a crystal ball, but what are you looking at to get a better understanding of this possible timeline? Yeah, well, the transition is happening. But some prices are still going up, and therefore headline inflation levels are still moving higher. And when I say I see it as happening, I'm referring to the prices for many tradable goods actually moving lower as demand for those goods starts to subside. Also, shipping costs. You know, if you look at the Baltic Index, for example, uh, which is a measurement of dry bulk goods being shipped globally, it's off 44% from the highs just a couple months ago. We also know that bottlenecks are starting to subside as companies readjust their supply chains, as the shipping bottlenecks get resolved, et cetera. When talking with port operators in California's Long Beach, we hear that the bottleneck is subsiding, but it likely won't go back to normal until late spring or early summer. So do you think it's possible that just when 
we get most alarmed and the media pays the most attention to the inflation story that it may actually be peaking? I think a lot of things in the markets work like that. Uh, in my opinion, there's, there's no question that we are peaking in inflation the next couple months. However, what the bigger question is, and what's most important for asset prices, is where does inflation level off? Do we go back to the 2019 levels? Unlikely. But as we converge back to lower levels, it will be hard to extrapolate what central banks should be doing. Will markets still be saying that the Fed is behind the curve? You know, and, and some inflation might actually be good inflation. I would suspect that the commodity price inflation that we see should be good for EM. Am I right about that? Absolutely. The most obvious example is in the Middle East or other oil exporting credits trading better than countries that rely on tourism, for example. In general, when we look at many countries, they have benefited in some ways due to higher prices because they are exporting goods and commodities and getting more revenue. The net result is that EM balance of payments generally look really good in our view, especially when compared against four or five years ago when global demand and commodity prices were lower. I could go into more detail on this topic as it relates to sovereign and corporates, but I know we have other discussions for other days that I'll let my colleagues who specialize in these areas cover. Well, with that, I think it's a good place to stop. Uh, thank you for your insights on emerging markets, their central banks, currencies and inflation. It's an interesting conversation. It seems to me that with so many incongruent and aggressive actions from global central banks now and, and as we move into 2022, it is going to be a very interesting year. So thank you for your time and insights, Todd. Appreciate it. You're welcome. And thank you. It is not MetLife Investment Management's intention to provide, and you may not rely on this podcast as providing, a recommendation with respect to any particular investment strategy or investment. The information and opinions presented or contained in this podcast are provided as of the date it was published.